My name is Dr. Joanna Pagonis, and welcome to Tackle Tuesday. Tackle Tuesday is a podcast series that tackles different issues in the workplace. We explore topics such as leading with emotion, diversity and inclusion, and how to create resilient and agile work cultures. Today's episode is sponsored by Sinogap Solutions. We work closely with emerging leaders to help you develop a clear vision of your authentic self and to discover your passion and how it aligns with your purpose. Once you have a clear understanding of your purpose and vision for your future, you'll be able to discover your path for continuous growth along with the energy and enthusiasm necessary to sustain you during the most challenging moments in your life. We encourage you to visit our website at SinogapSolutions.com and explore the courses we offer that will help you develop the mindset and capabilities to be an inspirational leader. For this week's Tackle Tuesday episode, I interviewed Beth Armconnect Miller, who is the CEO of Executive Velocity, a top talent and leadership development advisory firm. Beth is a trusted executive consultant, and also a committed volunteer. She is certified in Myers-Briggs, Hogan, EQI, and Business DNA. Beth is also a certified managerial coach, and she is a sought-after speaker on hiring, leadership development, and succession planning, which is our focus for today's podcast. Her book, Are You Talent Obsessed?, was published in 2014 and is available on Amazon. She is a frequent contributor to Entrepreneur Online, About.com, and Talent Culture, just to name a few. So as I mentioned today, our focus is on succession planning. And I was really happy to have Beth on the show because a lot of organizations, a lot of companies from small to large don't actually have a succession management program or process in place. According according to Beth, she said only 42% of companies, organizations do. And those that do don't really have a robust, well-planned uh, strategy uh, in regards to how they will identify people to fill their critical positions when they come vacant. And even just from my own experience, I've seen a lot of companies who had a wonderful, strong, positive, and healthy culture regress into this toxic culture when the CEO left and was replaced with a new executive. So if you don't have a talent strategy or a succession management program in place, you have to listen to today's podcast. Beth really does clearly lay out a plan that is so simple uh, and easy to implement, especially if you have a small company. I hope you enjoy the show. Hi, Beth. Uh, thank you so much for joining us on Tackle Tuesday. I'd like to have a officially welcome Beth Arm Connect Miller to the show. I'm so happy to have you uh, on today uh, to talk about succession planning. Um, it's a t- uh, The reason why I'm so happy to, to have you on the show is because it's a topic I have yet to explore with, with any guest or even on my own. You know, uh, sometimes I'll... <laughs> Sorry? I'm not surprised. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and it's such an important topic, right? Because yeah. it's, it's, you know... I see talent management as critically important for a part of a a business's success. Mm -hmm. And obviously succession planning is a part of talent management. Um, And so I think it's going to be a great value to our listeners and to me as well, in terms of my own learning and development. So before we get into all of the questions that I have to ask you, we have a lot to cover today. How are you doing? 
I am doing fine through all this craziness. I am doing fine. <laughs> That's great to hear. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, you know, I'm down in Atlanta and um, it's a little warmer than some other places in the country. So uh, we're, we're hanging in there. Okay. So before we get into uh, like some of the deep questions around succession planning, I like to start off always by breaking the ice. And I find the best way to do that is to get my guests to share a little bit about their history Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what led them to where they are today, as I mentioned in the introduction, you are the CEO of Executive Velocity. So I was hoping you could talk a little bit about your company, too. Sure. So, uh, you know, the the CNN version of my, <laughs> my journey is that um, I actually I started in a Fortune 500 company in finance. So that my my major was finance. Uh, but I quickly learned that although I was good at it, I wasn't passionate about finance. And I, I made a shift into sales. Um, fortunately, the company had an opportunity to, to do internal training. And that's how I wound up in Atlanta from the Boston area. Um, kind of fast forward, I left the company and um, went to work for Coopers and Librand in their technology consulting practice. It was a new position um, it was a great opportunity to, to work in a partnership and understand the politics and the dynamics around a partnership. Um, and through that period of time, met my husband. He had gone off and started an accounting temporary services firm. And he convinced me two years into working with Coopers to leave and start a technology consulting practice alongside the accounting so we, uh, we worked together. Uh, we ended up selling the accounting uh, temporary services firm off because we realized we were making more money on the consulting side. So we reinvested back into the consulting side. Um, there, was, there was one significant moment that really impacted um, the work that I do today. And that was um, a high potential that we had hired who we wanted to have become a partner. And um, we didn't manage her well. We, and, and because of that, um, she left, and it was a, a really difficult period of time to, to recover from that because she had a lot of con, um, client contacts, et cetera. Um, so I, I learned a lot through that um, from a standpoint of, employee engagement and, and the importance of um, recognition and rewards. Um, all of that really plays into what I, what I do today. Um, fast forward, we sold the company in 02 and I took some time off, but volunteering, there wasn't enough volunteering work to do <laughs> that really engaged me. So I found Vistage, which is a CEO membership organization um, for small businesses. And I was a chair for them for 13 years, um, stepped down last year. But during that period of time, I, was, I also had executive velocity. So I had private clients that I was bringing on, um, working in the talent management world around coaching and um, development, assessing, and then strategic work, helping them um, to determine, you know, what are their core competencies and what does potential look like? All of these things that are integral to succession planning. 
Mm-hmm. So, so that is where I'm at now is um, I am specifically working for with small and mid-sized companies, helping them in the area of, of assessing uh, potential employees and helping them to understand how to vet them properly and then identifying future leaders in their organization and helping to train those leaders into um, higher level positions. And how come small to medium and not large? Great question. Um, because I feel like I can make a bigger impact. Um, I've, I have worked over the you know, last 15 years for you know, the IBMs of the world, but I didn't feel like I was making a, a, I was making a difference to the individual, but not to the organization. And with the small to mid-sized companies and, and generally upwards of 500 employees, is is the, the place that I play? Um, I can make a I can make a significant difference, and that's mm-hmm. what gives me joy. Me too. Yeah. Well, well, you you've really set you've you've uh, it's like you've given me the um, uh, the layup to the next question, yeah. so I can dunk this now. <laughs> <laughs> you just set it up really nicely, and I need to let the listeners know. Like Beth hasn't seen the question, so this no, is my, <laughs> this is great. Okay. Uh, it's time to get into succession planning. And I, I think the best place to start is to create a shared understanding mm-hmm. of what yeah. succession planning is. Because I, I have, and I'm sure other people have heard terms like uh, replacement planning, mm-hmm. succession planning, which is really kind of the title of today's episode, yeah. succession management. Mm-hmm. Can you give us a quick rundown of what all those terms mean, how they play together in the sandbox, and like really what is succession planning at the end of the day? Yeah. So first of all, I always... Um, separate exit planning and succession planning. There are, there are a lot of, of um, individuals that, you know, I'll start talking to about succession planning and they immediately move to exit planning and exit planning is, is, is there's a beginning and end to exit planning. You know, a, a business owner is, has decided that, you know, he or she wants to step out of the organization and generally, there's some sort of financial event that takes place in, in an exit plan. So there's, there are, there's a lot of planning around getting the most value out of your company through an exit plan. So that's generally like a three-year program, okay? Uh, that's not what I do. Okay. Succession planning is specifically around the human capital within an organization, and it's not just about finding the successor for the business owner, but it's identifying successors to your key positions in the organization and making sure that they are prepared um, to succeed in that next position before they get there. So a lot of it is around um, development and developing those key employees um, in the right period of time so that they can step in and be successful. It's about having the right people in the right seats at the right time doing the right things. Mm-hmm. That's succession planning. Okay. And what does... Um... How do you identify, I've heard key and critical positions. So two, two part question. Mm-hmm. Is, 
Does that mean the same thing? Is there a difference between a key position and a critical position? Are there such things as, as a critical position? Because sometimes I'll argue if there's a, if somebody's in the company and they're not critical, why are they there? So I want to explore that a bit. <laughs> and then the other thing I want to ask is, you know, how do you identify your key positions? Like what makes a position key? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I would say key and critical are the same thing. Okay. Okay. Um, in, in my world. And it's, it's really about identifying, you know, those positions that if they were suddenly vacant, they, there would be a significant impact on your organization. Okay. And that doesn't mean those, those executive suites. It could, it could be um, somebody down in the organization that holds the key to um, some really uh, relevant knowledge around maybe your a product or service offering that you have. And if that person disappears, you know, who's going to step, step in. So it's, it's, it's those positions that um, without them, your, your company is not going to see succeed long-term. Those okay. are positions. Yeah. That's a great explanation. <laughs> that makes sense to me. <laughs> and I would assume the smaller the company, the uh, the more like you got, the more you got. I, yeah, yeah. The smaller the company, uh, you know, if you've got a, a, a company of ten, probably fifty percent of them are are key positions. Correct. Right. Yeah. Mm. Oh, and you said something that made me think of something else as well. You actually gave a really good example of what a key, a personal example of what a key position is when you shared your story, your history, when you lost her. Yeah. So, yeah, that was, we we did not have a good succession plan. Yeah. And you learned a lot from that experience. Yeah. Very much. Yeah. I think that's why sometimes when we, when something happens, it doesn't go our way. It's an opportunity to learn and you leverage that learning into your new business, which is wonderful. Totally. Yeah, I mean that fa- failure is should be a friend. Yes, it be an enemy. Yeah, you take you take your failures, you self reflect, and you learn from them. Mm-hmm. In the moment, it's it's difficult. Believe me, <laughs> I've had some of those moments over the last year. <laughs> I've shared a lot in in, in previous uh, interviews. How I, I started my business in February of this year. Oh my gosh. And we yeah. joke, I actually got into, I did a podcast recently and, and the interviewer had started his business the same time like I did. And we had a good deep belly laugh. Yes. <laughs> I start our impeccable timing. <laughs> uh, okay. Actually, before we get into the next question, and, mm-hmm. and once again, you kind of volleyed it really nicely to me because I want to talk a little bit about succession planning and employee development yes. and leadership development. And I use the term leadership. And to just kind of lay it out there in terms of what I think leadership is, it's not just the formal, you know, individuals who have a title, it could be anybody. And I think definitely like, as we just said, the smaller the the company, everyone should be a leader. You you need those qualities and skills. So Mm -hmm. I want to talk a little bit about the the, the link between succession planning and employee slash leadership development. But Mm -hmm. before we go there, I I just had a question pop into my mind and and I I want to explore this a bit. Maybe it's because I read an article today about making the case for ROI in in regards to any learning and development initiative. And I see succession planning as part of that. What is, what have you seen? Because you said you work with small to medium companies and you do that because you see the impact of 
of your initiatives. What has been, can you talk a little bit about what the impact is when you do strong succession, when you have strong succession management um, processes in place? And can you even quantify that to an ROI, like a financial ROI? Yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult. Um, I can share the, the story that I, um, I share in my book that I'm in the process of writing. And that is, uh, there was an individual in my Vistage group. And this was back, oh gosh, seven or eight years ago. And he, um, he realized that he, he did want to step, step back um, and eventually sell, sell the business. So he um, was real purposeful about succession planning and identified his successor and started developing him, you know, three years prior. So a lot of it is that development. In fact, this individual who was his successor um, was a member of my Vistage group. So he, he, that was part of his development opportunities, right? But yeah, the development is a core component of succession planning. If, unless the people are developed to be ready to, to step into that, that next position, um, you know, you're risking some, some problems. Um, and and, and some times it's, it's failure. And, and that's, um, that's, I've, I've seen it happen um, with another company where they didn't have a successor and um, the gentleman who, who owned the company died mm. and, and the company ended up disappearing in 18 months. Yeah. That's a feel you can't come back from. No, exactly. But on the flip side, the other gentleman who really had, had created a, a succession plan by the time he was ready to step away. He was only working in the business one day a week. And it, it was pretty superfluous. I mean, he would, he just kind of showed up. He wasn't really involved. And when they got um, the offer to, to be sold, it was an all cash deal. So that's, that's a huge difference than most company sales. There's usually a two to three year earnout, and and the individual that owns the company has to stick around to make sure that that it's being run properly, so that he can, he or she can can get the full full value of the sale. So you know this was an ideal. I mean, I, you don't see that that often, but he he did all the work up front and made sure that he had the right people in the right seats at the right time mm-hmm. so that he could walk away. So though you can't necessarily, I, I guess the ROI or the impact is different for every company. It depends what's important to them and what their bottom right. line is. But I think you clearly articulated, you know, you showed us two, you gave us two case studies. One where the company continued and was successful uh, continued generating a profit and revenue. And then that person was able to leave that, that previous owner was able to leave and probably with a clear consciousness too. And, yeah. and just happy, happy that he, his legacy continues, whereas the other one closed completely. Well, yeah. And the, the, the other, um, key difference between the two owners was that, um, the gentleman who was successful and had created that succession plan, 
had a plan for once he left. Most business owners have a real hard time, especially if you know they found a company, et cetera, have a real hard time thinking and, and imagining what life would be without the company because their whole life has been wrapped up in the company. You know, they've, they've put off, you know, family, they've put off hobbies and, you know, community, etc. This gentleman had a plan and he started working the plan as, as soon as he identified the successor and started developing his successor. So, so there wasn't any fear of what am I going to do when the company sells? Mm-hmm. He, over three years, was preparing for that right? and had a plan. And, and I know you work with small to medium-sized businesses, and I, I do have some of my listeners own and, and work in, in, that, in those small to medium-sized companies. I do have a lot of listeners who work in, in big companies to large, mm-hmm. complex organizations. Well, I shouldn't say a medium to small business can be complex too, but <laughs> yeah. a, a big company, right? Thousand or well over 500. Mm-hmm. And if they're listening, I would challenge them to think of the same thing, especially yeah. if they're in a senior leadership position. Sometimes I've seen people not wanting to move on to the next stage in their career, whether that be another opportunity or retirement, mm-hmm. because like you said, they've sacrificed so much. Their whole life has been wrapped up in that job, right. you know, that has brought meaning to their life for mm-hmm. better or worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they don't ever really plan for their departure. And, and I see this happen. I, I come from government. Oh my God. People would leave and you're like, you're hold, left holding the bag and you have, you're like, we're screwed. <laughs> we're like, how do we get out of this? How do we move forward? All the knowledge and leadership. I've seen organizations who were really successful, doing so well, high engagement scores, which I'm sure, as you know, is not always easy to, mm-hmm. to, to achieve. Right. That person leaves, that senior leader who really helped create that tone mm-hmm. across the organization leaves. And with it, that sense of hope and, and, and purpose and vision Mm-hmm. New leader comes in and I've seen the culture regress into a toxic one. I, it's yeah. incredible. Same company, different leaders, different culture. That's, um, that's a very valid point um, that succession planning isn't just about the, the business owner. Uh, in fact, I've been I'm struggling in, in my book as to how to, to bring in the, the manager. Right. You know, what's what's the role of a manager if, for instance, the company doesn't have a succession plan? Why not, as a manager, become the role model for succession planning and use the the same process that I outline in the book, um, but just for their department? Mm -hmm. Right. Versus the organization as a whole. Absolutely. Because if if you as a leader don't have a successor ready, that's holding you back. Because if, if there's an opportunity to rise up in the organization or, or go across to um, another department, uh, they're, going to, they're not going to want to do that if they're going to have to go outside and look for somebody. But if you've got somebody ready, willing, and able, they're, they're more likely to do that. Give you that opportunity. Mm-hmm. 
two yeah. points to what you just said. One makes me think of one of my first mentors and he said, he was my boss and he said, it was a small company. I was the executive assistant and he was the, the plant manager. And he said to me, I'm going to develop you and train you so you could do my job. I want to move up in the company. You have some really valuable skill sets and knowledge and you're just suitable in terms of your, your attitude and your, your go kind of get her, you know, mm-hmm. approach to things. Mm-hmm. We want to keep you in the company. So I'm going to train you to do my job. So I was an executive assistant. He was the plant manager. They're like a few, it was a small company. So it was really me and him kind of running the show, but it was a big leap from one to the other position. Yeah. And he, he, that's the approach he took. I was so young, Beth, I was 25, but he taught me a valuable lesson, which I integrate into my leadership practice, which is, and I have an expression, the best way to engage your employee is to start to develop them for their next position. (laughs) So this actually leads to the next question, which is like, what is the link between succession planning, employee and leadership development? Um, Well, without leadership development, employee development, you really can't have a succession plan because you can identify the key positions and you can identify potential successors. But if you but if you can't fill that gap between what they know and their competencies today with what they need to have um, to be successful in that next position, it's not, there's no point in, in building a succession plan. Correct. So if a company doesn't have a succession plan in place, and, I, and out of curiosity, the comp- obviously they bring you in because they don't have one. Right. Is it quite common? for small to medium-sized businesses to not have a succession plan in place? Yeah, there's, um, I think the percentage is 58% of small businesses don't have a succession plan. Wow, okay. And then, and then if you dig down into that, those 42%, um, not many of them have strategic su- succession planning where it's, it's a robust plan that is, is worked on a continuous basis. Right. It's kind of haphazard, I would assume. Yeah. yeah. Right. So uh, obviously we're going to get into your book a bit because uh, what I'm understanding is this is a good how-to book that a company right. can get and start to do some things. But can you give us like a little teaser, if you will? Like, so if a company doesn't have a succession plan mm-hmm. in place, where can they start before? Because your book isn't out yet. So what can right. they do exactly. now? What can they do today? Be, yeah, it won't be out until um, early next year. So the, um, the first thing they need to do is, is to assess their organization as to how ready they are to do succession planning. Oh, okay. Yeah, because like, for instance, development, right? If you don't have a development planning process, what's the point of putting a succession plan together? So there's, there's some infrastructure and knowledge and training that, managers need to have and your organization needs to have before you start the process. And the, um, I actually have out on my website a succession planning readiness assessment that um, they, your listeners could download and they could, they could go through it. Um, it's the first version. There'll be a better, a better more enhanced version in the book, but, but it'll get them started. Um, and what it does is it, it will, give you an idea of what, where the gaps are in your organization and, and then, you know, which ones really do you need to be filling before you start? 
And then which ones can you be working on as you go through the succession planning process? So that'd be the, that'd be the first thing. That usually, um, the, I recommend that um, the organization create a succession planning team where there's the, you know, the CEO executive suite is involved along with, with HR. And they, they should be the ones that um, do the succession planning assessment. I recommend that they, they all do it individually first and um, come together because they're you, basically your rating statements. And then you come together you, and there's going to be gaps. And you need to come to consensus as to where the company really is in um, like managers being trained on um, coaching and development, for instance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Those kinds of things. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so what else can we find in your book? Talk to us what the experience has been like writing your second book. And then what are some, what are some really good, good things that we can find in there? So um, the, the idea for the book I've had for quite some time. And then when COVID hit, I had time freed up. A number of my clients put me on pause. Um, I'm now back working a lot more, but um, I had a big chunk of time um, in in the spring, early summer. And so I decided, hey, might as well write this book. So the book is, it is a how-to. It steps you through the process of um, creating a succession plan. And um, it even goes gets into um, external hiring. So if you have to go outside, you know, what are, what are some of the the top mistakes small businesses make in, in hiring, how to do a behavioral interview process. Um, so it's, it's pretty comprehensive. Um, there's there's going to be a lot of forms that will be part of it um, that will you know be integrated into the the um, the book. The key the key areas that most small businesses don't do is. Understand their, understand their core competencies um, that are aligned with their values, and then understand what leadership competencies look like for their organization. Those, when you when you create those competencies and understand them, um, and one of the things I talk about in the book is larger companies will have competency models, which are very extensive. Small businesses, it's overkill. What they really need is a competency ladder. So it's those core competencies that, it, that um, align with your, your values, your company values. And, and all employees need to have those competencies at some level. And then there on top of it, there are leadership competencies that all leaders in the organization need to have at some level. Okay. Um, that's one area that that small businesses do not do. And the great thing is it's it's not just to to help with succession planning, but when you have a, a core competency ladder, um, it helps you in hiring and performance management. So it's it's a it's a really key component to talent management that a lot of small businesses don't have. Um, the second area is potential and understanding potential versus performance. 
lot of smaller companies get get the two confused and mixed up, thinking that a high performer is also a high potential. And that's not the case. I think it's like only one out of seven high potentials are, I mean, high performers are high potentials, that they have the attributes that would display potential, you know, motivation, drive, all that. Uh, so, So companies need to understand what potential looks like for their organization and define that so that there is a a common language around competencies and potential that you can use when you're having a talent conversation. And a talent conversation engages a lot more people than just the, the manager and on the employee and maybe HR. It what it does is it it brings all of the the leaders together and they have the opportunity to share their experiences with individuals that that a traditional performance review would not have. Mm-hmm. So it gives you more points of data and information to then start charting performance versus potential on, on the nine box grid. Mm. And, uh, probably a number of people listening have heard of the nine box grid. Um, but for those listeners who don't um, and haven't, it's, it's basically a way of plotting employees performance versus potential on a nine box grid. Mm-hmm. And, and then, then you have kind of a visual of, of where, your employees are on that grid and what kind of development you need to be focusing on. Right. And, and, or, you know, does this person, if you've got a like low potential, low performer, well, do you even need them on your bus? Right. (laughs) Or maybe, maybe they're in the wrong seat. Right. Correct. And so, Integrated with that is also then giving managers the skills around how to have those conversations. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Training, leadership management training is really important in ha- um, understanding how to have um, the coaching conversation, the performance feedback conversation, the, um, you know, the, the difficult conversation, a lot of, a lot of managers haven't had that kind of training. They, they, you know, they want, they want to help, but it's just, they haven't been given the tools to help. And a lot of them revert to telling people what to do versus coaching. And basically they're not developing their employees when they continually tell them what to do. They need to coach and and get the individual to self-reflect so that that individual is learning how to solve their own problems. Mm-hmm. I see a gap in there too. And that's what my business focuses a lot on because mm-hmm. I, I say that, you know, managers are the linchpin to an organization's success. There's a lot of things that go into building a successful company and leaders are key to that. And if they don't have the skills 
the confidence and the ability to develop others, you know, you'll, you'll have a lot of talent walking out the door. People do not leave companies. They leave managers. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And times that I've seen individuals leave uh, the the company, not the individual uh, or the boss was when they had such a good relationship with their boss and they were always talking about their career trajectory. And then they realized that they had kind of maxed out their potential within the company. The company just didn't have a, right. That's happened to me too. Where it's kind of like, okay, John, you're ready for the next stage. There are no positions here yeah. for you. And yeah. I had such a wonderful boss. She helped me seek opportunities elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that was unfortunate. That was just the way that the organization had right. been built. But you know yeah. what, more often than not, I've left companies because of my boss. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. very true. Yeah. A big focus of uh, the last several months, besides COVID, has been also diversity and inclusion. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And I've, I don't know how many, and I've always believed that DNI practices is, is more than just unconscious bias training. Mm-hmm. It's a start, but you need to really look at your organization and see how do we integrate more diversity inclusive practices in what we do. Talent management is one way to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about like how can a company? You know, if they wanted to apply that DNI lens or practice to their succession planning, are there some ways that they can be more thoughtful of that and, and do yeah. that? So um, it's not so much the diversity side of it. It's the inclusion side. Because diversity is really about checking the box. Um, you know, making sure that uh, from a recruiting standpoint, you're, you're, you're recruiting a diverse group of individuals into your organization. Um, but that's just the first step. It's more about the inclusion aspect. And, and once you get those individuals, how, how included do they feel in the decision-making process and um, the opportunities um, to, to take on challenging projects? That's, that's really the, the meat of the issue. It's, it's not about, you know, having multiple, um, you know, different races, genders, etc. It's about including those people because they have different views, different experiences, and making sure that they're being heard so that your company can remain competitive. I mean, this, this world's changing. The, the world that I grew up in, you know, 50 years ago is not the world of today. And, we, you know, we all need to understand that um, what my experiences are entirely different than uh, a gen, a millennial who, you know, grew up in the inner city. And, you know, there are, there are things that I can learn from that individual And there were things that they could learn from me. Mm -hmm. And um, there's, you know, those, that kind of reverse mentoring is a really good technique um, to help with inclusion. Absolutely. And in some ways you're, you're, you're developing them because by, by increasing their confidence too, because that's a great way to increase somebody's confidence to say, yeah, you can, that reverse mentoring process. I have something to learn from you too. (laughs) Yeah. That's well said. Perfect. Okay. Well, now it's time for our keep it, start it, and drop it. 
So everything that you've, my husband came up with this and I, I, I end, uh, I basically end every show uh, with these questions. So everything that you've learned um, about succession planning, talent management, employee development through your career, what is one thing you would keep that you're like, this works, I'm going to keep doing it. And it's good for my clients. Uh, something that you're exploring, you know, maybe I'm going to start. Mm-hmm. And has there, is there something that you would, you have dropped? So keep it started and drop it. Yeah. So uh, keep it. It's, it's coaching. Mm-hmm. Coaching uh, is so valuable for, for development. And um, I'm, I'm a big proponent of, Managers understanding how to to really coach um, because it's it once you have the skills you can integrate it in into your daily life you can you can see coaching opportunities and provide coaching just in time it doesn't have to be that scheduled coaching conversation so um, coaching is is something that I think. Every leader should understand and and be competent in. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, look, I'm looking for a book that my husband sent me. I think it's called Change Your Questions, Change Your Life. Have you yeah, questions. That? I love questions. Good, good questions. Um, so the the starting. Um, let's let's skip to this uh, okay. first. The stop. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So the stop, um, one of the things that I try to do less and less, although, you know, it's, it's never going to be perfect is asking those closed ended questions because it basically I'm, I might be gathering some data, um, but I'm not learning about the person. Mm -hmm. So, you know, focusing on the hows and whats. And I catch myself because I, I have daily conversations, coaching conversations with clients. And, you know, I will, I'll start a question and then I'll go, wait a minute. I need to reword this. And I'll, you know, I'll reword it halfway, halfway through or in my mind. Um, so really understanding the powerful hows and what questions. Those those are the questions that get people to self reflect, and um, and you're you're going to help the individual break through maybe some self limiting beliefs, or you'll challenge them on something um, with those kinds of questions. Um, the start, the start, yeah, um, that's a hard one because I'm I'm. I am a very spontaneous, creative person. Those are my two strongest behavioral traits. I'm also fast-paced. So um, the thing that I've, I've tried to start doing is, is to slow down um, because, because of my spontaneity and, and pace, I can, I can come to decisions a little too quickly um, and and that can get get me into into a problem. Um, so yeah, the that's that's in in progress. <laughs> that's that's something I'm trying to start to is, is to be more mindful of the moment. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Not always stress about the future or be excited. 
it's okay to be excited about the future, but sometimes my excitement turns into stress because then I'm like, I got to move on this fast. And I'm like, what's the rush? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) when, okay. Do you have a title for your book yet? Is that still a work in progress? Right now I'm leaning towards replaceable. Oh, I like that. Meaning that's, it gets me to think replaceable. Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? But from our conversation, I'd say, it's a good thing. You want yeah, to be well, replaceable. Exactly. Yeah. That's the whole idea is, is that, you know, you should, you should, as a leader, you should become replaceable. Okay. Yeah. And when, when do you, oh, yeah, I like that. And when do you think you'll, uh, when do you think it will become available? Well, probably um, early second quarter. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So like April, May. Oh, good. Okay. Well, please let me know because I, I would love, I would love to let the listeners know when they can get their hands on it. Uh, that would be wonderful. Um, oh, and I, there was something else I wanted to share with my listeners. You talked about a lot about coaching in regards to your keep and um, and um, and drop in terms of not asking closed-ended questions but open questions. So I was going to let my listeners know that if you go back to episode three. It's called Power of Coaching. I actually had a woman, Natalie Blaze. She's the co-founder of Canada Coach Academy, and they certify coaches through uh-huh. um, ICF, the International yeah. Coach Federation. Mm-hmm. So uh, they work with them to do that. Go back and listen to that episode. Yeah. That has a point, and you'll learn why coaching is so important, especially if you're a leader. So, yeah. Well, okay. So is there anything else that you're working on that you want to share with people like, I'm going to put all your links in the show notes so they'll know how to reach you. Your company's uh, Executive Velocity. You've provided all the links. Uh, you're really everywhere on social media. So there's <laughs> not very hard to get in contact with you. But is there anything else you would like our listeners to know in terms of contacting you or any key messages you want to enter conversation on? Uh, well, I just, I would welcome um, your listeners to, to visit my website because I do have a lot of free downloadable resources Um, not just on succession planning, but uh, leadership as well as uh, hiring. Okay, wonderful. Well, thank you so much. Uh, It was a great conversation. I learned a lot and and I I think our listeners will have. And yeah, I encourage them to go to your website. I'm going to actually look up the succession planning readiness assessment. I think that's, that's probably a good place to start for everyone. And much success in your book too. Thank you. You're welcome. And and that is our show today, everyone. And thank you so much for listening. And I look forward to tackling the next issue with you.